Welcome to another Sunday session. We uh, The dust is just settling on round 12, a, a stunning Indigenous round, plenty of action um, on display. Chris Kennedy in the virtual studio with my co-host, Kenny Scott. And on the line, we are very lucky to have Channel 9 talent and former Jillaroo, Alana Ferguson. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be back, CK. It is. Uh, well, let's get cracking straight onto some footy. Um, and we've just seen the end of the uh, the storm and the nights. Uh, Alana, I know you're in the, the studio at Channel 9 for the um, the main nine game this afternoon. So I'll start with your thoughts uh, on this one. Uh, I guess Cameron Smith off early is probably one of the, the key talking points in the nights. Um, plenty of fight, but not a lot of uh, common sense towards the end of that game. Yeah, Cameron Smith was a weird one, wasn't it? I don't think, I think Mido actually came in during our coverage and said he actually, Cam hasn't spent time off from an injury since 2014. He's been rested a couple of games, but um, yeah, hasn't had a game off from injury. So that was a little bit weird. I thought uh, Melbourne Storm handled it well, which isn't too much of a surprise. The Knights threw a fair bit at them. I just think that um, at times they try and they try and overplay. Like something that Melbourne is so good at is they stick to their strengths. Um, everyone knows what their job is, and they just roll through the motions. They get good field position. Um, yeah, and they just do those little things right. I thought the Knights they looked great in patches. Certainly when players like Pearson Ponga um, were combining, Kurt Mann's playing some good footy, but just lack a little bit of polish at the end of it, and also just intent at times. So yeah, I think at the back end of the ga- that game we saw it playing out a little bit. But um, certainly if they're going to be not even top eight, if they if they want to be true contenders at the end of the year, I thought tonight was a game that they really had to either win or play or lose really well. Um, just to show sort of where they stand. And I'm not convinced that they were able to do that. I think they'll still challenge sides and they've got some really great attack in them, but they've just got lapses that probably aren't going to get them to the top four, um, yeah, come the end of the year. Kenny, there were some uh, some poor lapses. You're pretty good at playing the, the frustrated fan week to week. Put yourself in the, <laughs> the shoes of the average Knights fan. What would your thoughts have been watching the last half hour of this one? Yeah, the Knights had, like, Melbourne are a massive, like, a benchmark team, and the Knights had enough, had enough field position, had enough possession, had enough opportunities to, to win. Like, it was, a, it was a 10-point loss that they easily could have closed out if, like, those last 20 minutes, their, their end of set um, kicking options were, I don't say poor, they were just, um, they were odd, like, Mitchell Pierce was putting up bombs, you know, that would land like five metres out uncontested and just things like that just didn't really seem... It's like they didn't have a, a real plan towards the end of how they were going to win that game and that's what really showed. Whereas Melbourne, like, you know, Melbourne, the self-organising algorithm football team that's just been <laughs> to win, just continues to manipulate and adapt to the situation and, and just, you know, crank on. Um, so, yeah, I think Knights fans would be frustrated because they could have, if they had a, a, a better game plan, um, they could have won. Yeah, it's, fr- it's frustrating to watch because at the beginning of the game, the, like the tempo that they were setting and the plays that they were putting on and their fifth tackle options, that that was all going smoothly. Like they might, they weren't dominating the Melbourne Storm, but they were playing, they kept themselves in the game. They were coming up with good enough options to be threatening. And then, as you said, just those little lapses, those misjudgments or not really thinking things through enough, I guess, to what they actually need the outcome to be. I think that's, that's what separates them. There's not enough thought process going in towards 
what do we need to do and why? Whereas Melbourne Storm, they, they just know that. It's drilled into them. It's like they don't even have to think about it. It's just second nature. They know their job. Absolutely. The Knights do have some uh, a bit of a run of home games against some of the lower-ranked teams coming up. None of those are, are, are gimmies. They're not free games, but um, they'll need to make sure they win most all of those if they want to be any sort of contender towards the end of the year. Let's move on to the Bulldogs and the Eels. Kenny, I'll start with you. Um, Eels looked like they were going to be flying off to a, a huge win at 18-0, but I don't know whether it was the Eels taking their foot off the gas or, or not taking the Bulldogs seriously enough or just the, the Bulldogs being tough and, and gritty and pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, but end up being very close in the end. This was a game where both fans of both teams would walk away being disappointed because Parramatta should have won. The way things were going, like after Gutho's third try, it looked like this was just going to be a, you know, a try-fest Parramatta party. Um, and then things changed really suddenly at the beginning of the, first, of the second half, sorry, with, um, when the Bulldogs scored two tries and it was suddenly a really close game. Um, but the, the Bulldogs, like similar to the Knights, they had enough possession and they had enough... Um, opportunity to, to win that game or at least score a try to, um, you know, get in front of the Eels and change the, change the momentum. But they just, they didn't. Like the last, the, the middle 20 minutes or the first 20 minutes of the second half, the Bulldogs were so dominant and they didn't really seem to do anything other than get really close without getting, without, um, without scoring. Uh, I, I found it quite, um, yeah, just a really frustrating game for both fans. And I, and I think Parramatta, <laughs> Parramatta would be pretty lucky that they got away with that one. Um, yeah, not sure what sure. happened, but they just really momentum just seemed to stop for them after they, um, you know, they got 18 points up and then just sort of, yeah, the game really changed. Yeah, I thought the Eels were average. They were average tonight. They had they played a, a good 40 minutes, but that's not good enough for the NRL. And the Bulldogs are that that team that they you know how the Bulldogs are going to play. Like, you know they're going to turn up. You know they're going to be tough. You know they're going to be gritty. So I don't know why the Eels came out in the second half feeling confident and like everything was just going to go their own that the right way. I thought that their, their fifth tackle options were really poor. And they really struggled to choose the right kick to build that pressure. And they were just handing over the ball in the wrong, in the wrong areas of the field. So whether that comes down to being complacent, uh, whether it comes down to not respecting the opposition or just lacking off, slacking off, I think it's something they really need to address and address quickly because it doesn't matter which team you play, every team has the ability to do that. And I think that's one of the areas that the Eels, that's how for me sort of the Eels um, are separated from teams like the Melbourne Storm and from Penrith Panthers at the moment is that they're not playing the 80 minutes um, of intensity that they're having lapses where they drop off and the opposition is going to jump all over that. Whereas we see the professionalism from teams like Melbourne Storm and Penrith, they just keep going and keep going and keep going. And their line speed and their intent in the 79th minute um, is, is just as much as what we see in the, in the opening few minutes of the game. And I think that's what separates uh, some of these teams, even in those higher positions, even in, you know, the teams coming third, fourth and fifth. I think that's what separates them. That's something the Eels are really going to have to address and just mm. quite simply not let happen again because we are heading into the back end of the season. And it's about... It's about creating the mindset to be able to finish those games off and to be able to finish strong, not just 
yeah, not just good enough, you know? Yeah, it's a very good point. I think, you know, the Eels on top of the ladder most of the way through until um, until that loss against Manly, but it looks like they're just a step behind your, your Melbournes and your Penriths and even your, your Roosters at the moment. Speaking of Penrith, they were absolutely dominant out at Lotto Land, um, the third game on Saturday night, 42-12, to 12, the final score. I thought, you know, Daly Cherubins tried absolutely everything in his power to, to drag Manly into the contest, but Penrith's just absolutely formidable. Alana, you do, we're just talking about Penrith. How, how legit do you think they are? this year oh they're so good I love watching them play honestly and I think for for Penrith at the moment it doesn't sort of matter or it hasn't mattered too much they haven't had any massive um, injury blows that takes away you know too many of their players at the same time but even the players that they have had out at times like when Coruscant and Kikau are out I don't think that it's affected the way that they've been playing they're so well balanced they're they're a team that goes out there and, yeah, they do have some younger players, but they're a team that goes out there and, again, they know their role. They look so confident. I think Nathan Cleary, um, well, even the time and and space that Coruscant provides Nathan Cleary, but his game at the moment, he just looks like he's under absolutely no pressure. And when you have a controlling half in your side that is able to perform that way week in, week out, it's just everyone on the field, regardless of if they're usually in the starting team or if they're not, they just look so composed and everyone knows their role and it just sort of looks effortless. It is an effortless because they're a team that puts in the hard yards. Uh, their focus is on defense and the points in attack come off the back of that But and the confidence, I guess. But yeah, they're just a team for me that's getting every little thing, all the little important things right and the rest and they're just reaping the war- the rewards from the rest of it, I guess, just as a result of it. But I love watching them play. Like, they're an exciting. They're not boring. There's times where, yeah. you know, in the past that Melbourne Storm might win and they, they win week in, week out, and it's boring, you know. But I don't yeah. find them a boring team to watch. They're still throwing a lot at the opposition. They're still using the footy. They're exciting to watch, but they're doing the boring things first, which I think is really important um, and will go a long way for them being successful this year. Doing the boring thing first sounds like a great title for a self-help book, so I'm going to do that one. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. Like, this is the first thing I wrote down like, after watching this game was Penrith are fun, fast, strong and entertaining. Something, I don't know what's happened to them year on year, but they are, I'm, I'm fully in, in, in your corner on this one. They're just so much fun to watch. Um, and you're right. They're like a... a yeah, they're just, they're well-disciplined. Like, I'm, I'm just going to go over the things that you said because I agree, everything I agree out of it. Like, well-disciplined, um, but also so entertaining. It's a really great balance when a team can strike that. Um, I think the, the point you raised about Cleary um, being controlling half, playing under pressure, it's, it's, it's a real interesting when you have a game like this where DCE is probably the same kind of player, but he is definitely under pressure because the team is just down on resources that have got injury and he has to do a lot more. Um, and CK, as you said, like he tried his best to sort of drag the team back into it, but but just couldn't. Cleary was just having a, a joyous time. That um, that uh, chip and chase kick he laid on for himself was just like next level stuff. I don't know what's going on there, but they've got to they've got to keep doing it because they've really struck that that magical balance, and it's it's excellent to watch. So well done. And also, what about Charlie Staines? He must think the playing NRL is the easiest thing in the world. Honestly, every sixteen minutes. Yeah. Oh. But do you know what? Another thing about uh, Penrith is they just look like they're having fun. Yeah. Like, and footy, footy is fun when you're winning and when you're playing well, and that does make it a lot easier. But 
I, I think that's I think that's another reason why I enjoy watching them so much because they just look like they're having so much fun out there. Charlie Staines is bloody unbelievable, that kid. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and, and working with Gus uh, every week, he's got huge raps on him. A lot, like some things he will say um, on air, but just the things that he says about him, he, he speaks really highly. And he's, he's someone that I uh, really respect their opinion of. And he's obviously spent a lot of time with the like the, the development program of the Penrith Panthers. So just even what he says about Staines, about where he'll be in the next couple of years. Like he's a fullback. He's not in fullback at the moment because, um, well, I think it's great that he's a young player and where he is at the moment. Anyway, he's got to find his feet sort of in the NRL. But from all reports... He's great now, but he's just going to be an absolute freak in the next few years. We'll just see that play out. And, yeah, that, that sort of stuff's exciting for um, for the punters, for us. I love it. I can't yeah. wait. How good. Huge wraps on the kid. We'll move on to the Cowboys and the Raiders. Kenny, I'll start with you. Raiders have now grafted their way, I think, to three straight wins since losing Josh Hodgson. We pretty much all put a, uh, a red line through them, but they've um, they found their way to, uh, to, to you know, claw up some, some wins. Well, that's, that's like a pure Ricky Stewart thing to do, isn't it? Just hold on, hold on for dear life and don't let anybody get, get that, that extra inch they need to get on top of you. So well done, Tom. So this was um, Bateman's first game back as well. Um, and I'm pretty sure he, he showed his worth uh, to the team. I think he's, yeah. he just shows how, especially with, in the absence of, of Hodgson, just how valuable he is. Um, but I, I think uh, the Cowboys play, had some pretty cool stuff going on in this game as well. They seemed pretty set on their, um, their set plays. Um, and I love a good set play. So there was the um, kick straight off the scrum, which didn't quite turn out. Um, but then they had another set play to put Tom Lolo over right under the sticks, which I thought was pretty cool as well. But um, And Curtis, good. Curtis, Curtis Scott finally came good for the Raiders. So uh, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a good night for them. Those last 10 minutes, very, very tense, although nothing actually seemed to happen. It was a bit of, a, bit of an odd one that way. <laughs> yeah, look, I think the story out of the game is definitely Bateman. Uh, yeah. He's an inspiring player and we've seen it. He's been out of the game. You can't underestimate the amount of time that he hasn't played. And then to see the impact that he was able to have first game back. Um, I think that was, that was unbelievable. Uh, just the meters that he ran, but you know, he had his hand in two of the tries, like so big moments in the game. He was solid in defense, but he's just one of those players that when he's on the field, you see the Canberra Raiders lift and that's something that uh, Hodgson had for for the Canberra Raiders as well and it is he, he is still missed no doubt about it um, I think Ricky uh, and the boys have just done a really great job at showing us how tough they are and that they still they do still have it in them to stick it to some of these sides I don't necessarily think well I don't think you know they'll be in the top four um, but they'll be close and they'll be a tough opposition for anyone to play. I think just the depth in their attack might be lacking a little bit. Um, but, yeah, that they played a great game of footy. Cowboys are still a little bit off for me. They've got great mm. patches and they can come up with great plays. I don't mind some of their set plays either, to be honest. But the thing with set plays and not being able to rely on those instinct, instinctive players um, that can really change a game is that you've got to create new things week in, week out. And how much time do you have to put towards that and to be able to make those adaptations? So you still need those players on the field, you know, like your Cameron Munsters, um, your Sean Johnsons or whatever it is to be on there to be able to just change the game at the drop of a hat. And I think at the moment, they're probably their best bet uh, for doing that is Tamalolo. And it's enough sometimes, but it's not going to be enough against, you know, the top four tier. Yeah, the, the top four sides. Mm. 
Um, before that, the Roosters 18-12 winners over the Titans. Uh, I don't really want to dwell on this game because it didn't reach any sort of great heights. But uh, I guess, Alana, can you sort of look at all the players the Roosters have got out as an excuse as to why this didn't really um, turn out too memorable? Or should we give you more credit to the Titans for, for keeping it close? Yeah, I thought the Titans did well. Um, I think sometimes it's, it's easy to, it's easy to you know, talk about the Roosters and why, why it wasn't. Um, why they didn't, I guess, put 40 points on them. But uh, I thought the, the Titans have, are slowly building in different areas of their game. Their combinations in defence even, um, I think, is in real, has been a really important aspect of their game this year. And it's something that, you know, it, it's taking time, but they're, they're slowly starting to get a little bit better at. The Roosters weren't at the top of their game, but they still come up with some pretty incredible plays. And... Mm to be in the position that they are in. Like, they're showing that they are the ultimate professionals. So, it certainly wasn't the game of the round. Um, I, thought, I thought there were positives uh, coming out of both of those sides, though. But, mm. yeah, not, not, not too much excitement, I guess. Like, Manu was incredible. I thought Teddy had yeah, a great game as well. Joseph Manu, they were individuals um, that had good games. But, yeah, I, I, I still think we can see, well, much better out of the Roosters. And I still mm. think the, the Titans can you know, develop their game a little bit better. We'll crack straight on to the Broncos and the Sharks. Kenny, this is probably one of the most entertaining games of the round. More heartbreak in the end for, for Brisbane fans. They looked a lot better, um, I thought, with Darius at fullback. And obviously, Katoni Staggs back in made a, a big difference. But up by eight points with uh, 10 minutes to go and then conceding three tries, it was uh, another disaster for Anthony Seabold and his troops. Yeah, poor old Broncos fans. It doesn't get any easier. I guess all you can say is at least at least you show improvement in that one. There was They were a much better team than we've seen probably the last six weeks. Probably since season resumption, actually. Um, like Darius Boyd, we've everybody has been pretty down on him recently. That shift to fullback really, really improved his game. I think everything about um, his attack and his defence, and, and we've been sort of down on the Broncos' communication overall as well. Like, he seemed to be talking a lot out there. Although, those tries that uh, the, the Broncos let in, they openly said that they were communi- communication breakdowns or lack of talk in those defensive lapses. And that's what everybody's been saying has been the Broncos' big issue since um, the game. That is, no one seems to be talking to each other. So at least for periods of that game, they must have because, yeah, you're right, it was good fun. And hats off to the Sharks as well. In Aaron Woods' 200th game, um, don't let the big fella down. You're 10 points down with 10 minutes to go. Rack up up three tries and win the game. Well done. Alana, I know everyone sort of had their two cents on what's gone wrong with Brisbane, but did you kind of have any thoughts out of this, uh, what ended up being a pretty entertaining Friday night game? Yeah, look, and, and it was inter- entertaining. I'll give them that. But I don't know. I, I'm not impressed with the Broncos. I, you, you just can't concede that many points. Like They played good enough for 70 minutes, but good enough... It's it's hard to talk about the Broncos in that way. You know, they shouldn't they're not just they're not a complacent good enough team. So I, I hate I I don't enjoy speaking about them in that way because for me it's not good enough. Um, they played for seventy minutes, which yes, they they've looked better. Yes, Darius Boyd individually um, had a pretty good game, but it's not it's not good enough. Then they're still not playing like an NRL side. Some of the tries that they let in is like under sixteen's footy. Mm. And the lack of communication in defence, if if we can see it week in, week out, why is that not the sole thing that they're focusing on uh, during the week? Because it's consistently not improving. 
So I think I think yeah. that's just it's disappointing to watch because they're such they could be uh, such a great footy side. There's obviously plenty of things happening internally at that club because it shows on the footy field. You know they've got players out there. They've showed us that they can play good footy. We saw it. We saw it for part of that game and for part of the game the week before but string they can't string they don't even look like they're going to string together 80 minutes of footy and I think that just comes down to for me watching um, being a footy player myself and knowing what it takes to win a hard game which NRL games are hard it's, it's tough footy is that you need to want to put your body on the line for the people next to you and I just don't see that from the Broncos so I don't know how much that I can't see it changing this year because it's obviously something within the club that isn't going right and within those players but the, even the Sharks you know like they I think they're playing really great footy but they still come and go in waves they they switch on and off um we saw some brilliant tries and we see some great skill. I thought Wade Graham had a, a brilliant game. He was their leader and he, you know, he's their captain, but he showed that he's willing to put his hand up and he's willing to lead. So they, there's plenty of positives coming out of both sides, but I'm still not convinced with either side. Regardless of where they are on the ladder, I think they um, both really need to focus on those 80-minute performances and digging that little bit deeper because that's what we see from the top-tier sides is – not 70 minutes or not being, um, you know, happy with your attack and then slacking off with that edge defence and just crumbling a little bit. But still positives, I guess. But, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm, bit, I'm a bit sick of talking about the same stuff with the Broncos. They, yeah. they need to fix it. It's not, it's not good enough. Yeah, exactly. We'll move straight on to the uh, the early Friday game. Kenny, your West Tigers, this is one of those games they really needed to win if they're uh, going to be making the eight this year. We saw some absolute pyrotechnics from uh, Michael Maguire in the um, the halftime speech, but uh, a very tough draw ahead of them and a 26-20 loss to the, the Warriors, not what they needed. Yeah, no, unfortunately, we can strike a line through the Tigers. They were probably never really going to make it uh, anyway, but we all had hope. I think that losing that game probably just makes it a, it's a firm reality we'll miss the, miss the eight again. Uh, I guess all we can hope for is to finish ninth and make it hilarious for everybody. Um, yeah, I, I, I went to this game. I, I fell for the, I fell for it, and I went there as a, as a hopeful Tigers fan, thinking, you know, we, we should probably get this one. Foolish me, of course. We don't win those games that we should win. Um, you know, just all that talk previously from Alana about um, eighty-minute, not not putting in eighty-minute performances. Well, there, that's exactly what you got right there. They definitely did not. The biggest thing outside of obvious defensive lapses was, man, the offloads. The Warriors, I think the offload count was like seventeen to four or something, and those Warriors offloads just punish the Tigers every single time. Michael Maguire in the, at the change room at halftime summed it up brilliantly. I can't say any more than that. Frustrating, um, but, you know, with, with, you know they're, they're, not a, they're not a premiership team at the moment. We're still rebuilding. It's always next year. Yeah, true. I think a lot of people in the game happy to see that the Warriors get a win. Apologies to uh, to the Tigers fans out there. We are running out of time, but Alana, I wanted to finish with your thoughts on um, Thursday night footy. It was a um, certainly a, a wild sort of swing of momentum from the Dragons being up 16-0 and looking like they were on track for a huge win. Um, you know, Adam Reynolds off early. They had it all in their favour. And then Cody Walker in particular, along with the likes of Alex Johnston and Latrell Mitchell, all very fitting given it was um, Indigenous round. They uh, just absolutely dragged their team back into the contest and, and to a memorable win. Yeah, it was brilliant. Cody Walker, like, what a footy player, honestly. 
He's so he's another one of the players that I love watching because mm. you can almost see him. He puts his hand up and he well he's been doing it lately really really well at the right times. He knows when he's he knows when his teammates need him and he knows how to change a game. He can shift that momentum and whether that be from a clever kick or putting his hand up and just taking on the line himself and you know shifting the momentum that way. Um, he's a good organizer in their side as well. But yeah, I thought I thought he was brilliant. I think the Dragons. They've got some great attack in them. And I think that's something that they've been able to, you know, oh, how long ago was it? A month ago, five or six weeks ago, we were, everyone was sledging the Dragons. You know, they're, yeah. they're not doing anything in attack or defense. They're horrendous. Mary McGregor's got to go, this and that. But I think they've really shown that uh, they've given some attention towards their attack. And I think some of their plays um, and the way that they've stru- structured and also just played instinctive footy has worked really well for them. I've been really impressed in, with some of those areas of their games. Like, Dufty's playing unbelievable. Uh, when he came back onto the scene after the rule changes, like, he's a small man, but those changes, you know, sort of brought that into the game. And the way that he plays footy, he's got, like, a touch footy background. So he plays a numbers game, and he's been really intelligent um, and sort of leading and driving the attack for the Dragons. I, I think that they've change and fix that game that aspect of their game really well but I think you can also tell by the attention that they've put into their attack I think that they they've been lacking that detail in defense and and that's what happened with with South Sydney when they come up against them you know like you can see they've still got brilliant attack in them but those lapses in defense I think that's where their attention needs to go to now they've got They've got a bit more confidence. They know how to use the footy now. And they've, they've shown us that. But the, the lapses in defence from the Dragons at times isn't good enough. And South's exploited, um, you know, a lot of those weaknesses that we've seen over the last few weeks. They've identified those and really attacked them. So credit to South and Cody Walker, you know, led that, um, led that win for them. But, yeah, it was. I, I thought it was an exciting game of footy, to be honest. I thought yeah. both teams played well at times. And, you know, you're on your edge of the seat for a lot of the game. So I was impressed with how the game sort of played out. I think both teams can make improvements off the back of it. But, yeah, an exciting game of footy and some, some really exciting individuals uh, as well from both of the sides. Kenny? Yeah, like that game was that, was... that was one for the neutrals, I reckon, because it was just... What five tries, six, five or six tries in the first half? I think it was like sixteen nil after seventy minutes to the Dragons, and then sixteen all at halftime. Like it was, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was just a roller coaster of emotions. Um, it was just yeah, pure football fun. I think the the key player, of course, was Cody Walker, as you said. Um, but it all seemed to happen when they lost Adam Reynolds. Cody Walker suddenly grew three sizes, and he he was everywhere. Like he was that game, um, and I, I I thought it was yeah, just so much fun, and like. Heartbreak for the Dragons, like they've already had another heart, uh, heart they just come off a heartbreaking loss to the Sharks. Um, they probably, after being 16-0 up, you should probably go on or you should you should win that game. Um, and yeah, like credit to South for, for coming back, but I think the Dragons will probably rue um, their, their lost chance there because they were on, on a, you know, they were two points within the top eight, I think, if they'd won that game, but alas, it wasn't to be. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I was I was covering this one for NRL.com. Uh, Matt Dufty was good enough to come out and give us um, us reporters some of his time afterwards. Alana, he basically said exactly what you just said, which was the rule changes. The um, you know the six again, the faster ruck really has he feels like has brought him into the game. It's allowed him to, um, along with a, I guess a change in the cha- the Dragons' attacking structures, really allowed him to bring that passing game to the fore, and as well as sort of developing his running game. Um, 
Cody Walker also came out and, and spoke to us. And uh, I've got to say, just absolutely one of my favourite players um, right across the sport at the moment, both on the field and off the field. Um, just a, a gentleman to talk to and um, spoke beautifully and eloquently about the importance of Indigenous ground um, to himself, his family, his culture and, and his club. Um, so not just a, a magician on the field, but a, um, an excellent bloke off the field. Um, before I wrap it up, a question completely without notice to, to both of you, Alana, I'll start with you. Any, um, <laughs> Whether it's your, your favourite Indigenous performance from Indigenous Round, your favourite Indigenous player growing up or, or anything that sort of struck you about the weekend that you um, that particularly stood out? Um, well, just about the week in general, I think I'm, prou- I'm really proud to be part of, of our game. You know, I think the way that the NRL and, and just surrounding like the clubs, the players, all of us involved, I think the way that we've sort of embraced Indigenous round and just really, for, like for me, it's all about learning. Um, and I feel like even each game, each broadcast, um, the different stories, we get to hear from so many amazing um, Indigenous players, uh, you know, just in the pregame and the postgame and different initiatives surrounding um, Indigenous round. I just, I just love learning. And I think it's something that, you know, it's, it's continuous for us. But just having the opportunity and providing the opportunity, being so invested in it. Um, yeah, I'm proud to be part of our game and be part of something, um, you know, we, that showing that we do care and we do want to learn um, and that it is important for us to be so invested and, and yeah, show so much respect towards, um, you know, our First Nations people. So I think for me it's just it's overall just being invested and, and having everyone sort of buy in and really pay respects. And, you know, we're not, we're not there yet, but um, taking these steps and being respectful and, um, yeah, just learning along the way. I've real, I re- I always love Indigenous Round, and I think just this year, maybe it is because I'm working a little bit more, and I get to see um, a little bit more about what happens and why. Yeah, I just, I've, lo- I've loved it, and I almost, I can't wait for next, for next year. You know, it's, it's one of the highlights of the year for me. Kenny, yeah, I agree. Like, it's, it's the fact that. Um, like rugby league, probably like it's probably gets kicked around a bit. It's um, but every now and then there are moments where it gets to show its true colours. And I think um, the inclusiveness of the sport is something that's probably been overlooked for quite some time. And these are those moments where the game really gets to stand up and say, "This is what we believe in." And it's all spoken about like the way, like the press coverage that it gets, but also the. Uh, the reverence that it's given and the like just the, the pre-game stuff. So like the, the teams all standing together in boomerang formation and then like the, um, the announcement giving us why that's happening. Um, uh, the fact that like the, the players are all, all united in, their, in their, their attitude towards it, plus the, those that are involved within the game as well. Like it's not, it's not tokenism, it's, it's genuine. And I really, I, it's a time when you really get to feel proud to be a fan of, um, of rugby league. Um, and you get to really, the game just gets to show up and show and say like, this is what we're about and really um, you know, give, give the uh, Indigenous players, the player, the game, a platform and a voice um, and gets to make it about them for, for a brief period. Um, and I just, it just makes me really proud. So. I love it. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you, you both just said. And again, feel sort of honoured and, and proud to be able to, you know, sort of just enjoy the round and, and help sort of tell these these stories, you know, being able to start my match report with the words proud Bunjong and new and nation man Cody Walker's put in a impressive performance, you know, etc. And, um, and have that be 
sort of something that's that's normal for our game. I, I think some um, outstanding and just um, yeah, well said to both of you. And um, I guess that brings us to the end of the podcast. But um, Alana, a massive thank you to you for making time to join us on a, a Sunday night after you just got out of the studio. Kenny, thank you to you as always, and thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back uh, this time next week. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, legends. Thanks, guys.